Hey, so I've got to bring it up uh, because we do uh, we do talk music here. Um, this is a scary subject to bring up. Uh-oh. The new Taylor Swift album. It's very yeah, scary. What about it? It's pretty damn good. Yeah, no. Was <laughs> <laughs> it the years? first album in like two years, years or whatever that's taking no, over it's all not 10 that spots? Long. I mean, I remember around first of COVID, I think she dropped like two, like really close to each other. But yeah. Um, oh, I mean, she's taken the, the top 10 spots on the Billboard oh, list. Oh, yeah. That is the first time ever, I think, anyone's ever mm, done that. 10 songs. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty wild. So, if you, so, Jonathan, have you listened to the whole thing? I have not heard anything from it. Really? What about you, Luke? I've heard anti-hero. That's okay. It. Are you a Swifty now? Mm, I won't be a Swifty, but you know, my wife I've puts it on. I've always liked her music, just due to the fact that she writes her own music and can play the instruments, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to most pop stars and or country musicians. A lot of them, professional songwriters that just write their songs they play it and that's not how she does it so a lot of people don't like taylor swift but hey i'm a fan it's, it's a pretty good album it's so, different i think a lot of people really like her and, they, and well yeah like like you say well, most a lot of country guys singers, our age are like hey i no. listen to taylor swift and drive down the road like <laughs> well you're not gonna admit no, but that. there's it's true like you said like most country stars don't write their own music they're singing other people's written songs yep yep no um she gets it and she writes some pretty fierce lyrics and you listen you're like wow don't ever want to date this girl because i'm going to end up in a song and i'm going to be destroyed (laughs) literally (laughs) destroyed it's true like yes mm. poor john mayer taking one on the chin this album (laughs) nothing like a breakup to spur some creativity (laughs) been there not so fun but hey you know it gets the emotions going oh i had a i bought a a vinyl the other day i was very happy with it i bought a chris stapleton vinyl his last oh yeah yeah traveler is that the last one or it's good it's really good i really enjoyed it and i bought some live albums Fleetwood Mac Life albums. Oh, really? Yeah, they're good. Yeah, Fleetwood Mac is great. We'll definitely have to have an upcoming episode about all things vinyl. I think that would be nice. Well, well, here's my new weekly discovery again. I don't know why. I don't, it just came to my mind. I'm like, oh, that one song. Yeah, what is that? Anyone remember Fury in the Slaughterhouse? Every generation's got their own disease. It's really good. I hadn't listened to that forever. I mean, they're a German yeah. band. I didn't know that. Most of their albums are in German. It's like 90s. 94-ish, 95. Yeah. Fury in the Slaughterhouse. Give that it a reminds listen. me of like Enigma or something back we, then. Do you remember them? Yes, Enigma. <laughs> Love it. Or live oh. lightning crashes. That, that, that oh, whole era. Enigma just reminds me. I think of when I think of Enigma. That was like, all of a sudden, Kenny G was cool. Enigma, Yanni was really cool. And yeah, and yeah, was real big. And yeah, yep. Kind yes. of like a melodic, like, I don't know. Like adult background pop music, pseudo jazz just became very popular at that time. <laughs> um, and, and it didn't matter. Like, people were listening to Enya in high school and it was cool. So, oh yeah. I remember Enya. I remember the Enya era. Ooh. Well, let's not date ourselves, but we're, <laughs> no, aren't you a no, little we're young not for that, that old. Luke? 
Stop that old. Go Gen X. Yay. Right on. <laughs> Some of us are Gen X on this call. That's true. Some <laughs> of us are millennials. Just the one. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and kick it off. We've been here and we're ready to get this started. Welcome back to the Should Be Common Knowledge podcast. We're going to go ahead and kick it off. I'm your host this week, JP, and I'm joined by Jonathan and Luke as always. And we're excited to be back here on another episode with you guys. I think this is what officially episode four or three episode four. Oh, episode four. Okay. Well, so we are going to try to do better to get these to come out more frequently and on a better cadence, but you know what? Sometimes things just happen and we do what we can and we'll get them to you and keep them coming. But I'm going to be your host today and we are going to kick off as we always do with our first little segment and which we kind of rotate through the group where they come to us and bring forward to our attention something that we should know about. Maybe we've heard of it. Maybe we haven't. We don't know. Uh, because we have no idea what Luke's going to talk about because it's Luke's turn this week. And we wait with bated breath wondering what on earth are we going to talk about, Luke? So go ahead. Let us have it. What what are, what are we going to chat about first in our person, place, or thing? Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for that introduction. I have a, a very fun one today. But it's going to be a riddle. You guys have to guess. I'll give you some some hints on it. It was published first today in 1983. November. 1983. Yeah, November 10th, 1983. Okay. I'm guessing it's not a person or a place. No, <laughs> it's a thing. So it was published. Is that what you said? Yes. So it's a book? No, it's not. Uh, published. Uh, In the 80s. A magazine. It was um, constructed by Bill and Paul, who had a little company up in Seattle. Okay. Well, oh. we've got Apple here. And we, who's, no. who's got Bill? Microsoft's oh, no, Bill. Oh, yeah, Microsoft's yeah, yeah. in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. So they published Windows and... 1, the first iteration of windows was published in 1983 on november 10th so what's that like i'm good at the maths how many years ago is that <laughs> that's almost 40 years ago next year will be 40 years ago windows is that old like 83 yeah. 83 was when they published their first one they started the company in 1975 which is wild well that's so crazy because I, mean, I remember it wasn't really just having wasn't, that computer like the IBM 386 that just ran off DOS. We didn't even have Windows, but that was way past 83. Yeah. And we were still running this, you know, running. Yeah, like Windows-based systems weren't widely spread for like personal use or anything. That's early. true. So the IBM 386, even those had Microsoft products in them. Software for reading floppy disk was written by Microsoft. Interesting. So that's so wild. It's that's like 40 years and, and the company is almost 50 years old. It's pretty interesting how that all started that long ago. I didn't know that. I hope you guys didn't know that. That was my uh, person, place or thing. See, I don't even remember like when Windows became a, I don't know. It must've been just on a school computer in elementary school. It was like 95. I remember Windows 95 yeah. was one of my first windows that I've ever mm -hmm. done something. Yep. With. Before that was, yeah, that DOS, was like... and DOS was written by IBM. That was yep. true. 
but they started doing things when it was still DOS on the IBM machines as well. So yeah, I remember when I was in elementary school, like growing up younger, those early computers we had, like there's like one in each room and it was like a Commodore, like those old pet, like the monitors and the the keyboards or one machine. The Commodore 64 or the... The first one before that I remember is the pet computer, which was kind of a built-in keyboard right into the computer. And it used a, rather than not even a floppy disk, it had a cassette tape you put in it. That's so wild. And in order to run the computer game or the whatever program you were doing in it, you had to rewind it first, then hit play. And then you could run the program on a cassette tape, which was wild. I think I remember it had Dungeons and Dragons as a game and you could move like a little block along a corridor and then you'd hit like a greater than sign and that was the dragon and if you didn't hit it the right way you'd die that was dungeons and dragons you know <laughs> oh exciting stuff <laughs> oh goodness that's that's awesome so windows has been around that long that is wild <laughs> that is truly wild it just uh it's something that's just so ubiquitous to our life now that it's it's wild to think that hey there was a time where we just didn't have that and i remember really like it's kind of that same experience where I remember in high school kind of AOL was kind of a thing. Like you could get online, but you had to, you could do it through basically AOL or some other way, but you were kind of limited to whatever that platform offered. And there wasn't much as far as like a worldwide web where you could go to a place and browse things. You had to, you had to know exactly the address that you wanted to go to. Um, and I remember I went for a couple of years over to Europe, uh, where I didn't have much access to the internet, you know, post high school. And then I came back and I was like, what is this? Everyone's on this web. (laughs) What is this thing? Um, you know, you got email and even back then email was clunky, almost pretty much like a DOS system where you had to type mail and some command, type your message and then hit another command to send there's no push and play and just have it do things you still had to know some little bit of computer program to make anything work but then it just exploded overnight utah state my freshman year at college and we had this network online it was all like it was just based on like university systems and you could log in yeah, the intranet. Like chat rooms intranet kind of chat rooms you could see who was online and talk to people um it was kind of before email and then I think the next year I got my first hotmail address, which I still have, which I used to sign up for junk and stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> I do that too. I do that too. I can't believe I've had that hotmail address since like 90, like 97 or 96. <laughs> well, I when still you... run into people every now and then have a, have an AOL account. Really? Yeah. Those still That's work. still a thing. No, it's not a thing, but they've done something that where that's, email still works so people still have their at aol.com account email address somewhere that is legacied in someone's maintaining that and people can still use their aol accounts um and i've asked people i'm like how do you still have that and they're like at this point it's kind of just a matter of pride just got to keep it going and never get rid of it because you know yeah if you're using an aol account you're that's a 30 year old pushing a 30 year old email address you know which is which is pretty wild oh yeah think of how far it's coming like apple too i remember those uh tall skinny macs that they brought into the schools in junior high and you have computer lab and it's like all that white black and white screen and then see where we are now you know you got the iphone and ipad it's crazy yeah i've been keeping track of that 
Apple's like, I think it's worth 2.63 trillion at this point. And it's like bigger than Microsoft and Google together. Oh, That's yeah. like insane. I believe it. And mo- the majority of that is all iPhone. Uh-huh. That was so insane. And the other thing I that I it. found very interesting about that, if Microsoft did that in 1983, they're still like number two or number three in this country, as in companies to work for and, and biggest size and highest profit, profitability. And they're going with the times. Like, it's crazy. They tried some things that really failed, I feel. They wanted mm-hmm. to build a phone like five, six years ago. I was like, why are you getting into the phone business? That's not you. <laughs> but uh, it worked out with like Xbox and their teams. And their entire suite is still used by the biggest companies in the world. Wow, that's 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 just aging us, Luke. Thanks for that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> wow, everyone's like, hey, we just listened to three old dudes just reminisce over their childhood computers. That was exciting. <laughs> Not bad for some companies starting in garages and things sure. like that, you know? No, not at all. Not bad at all. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Invest early. Back yes. In the 80s. Invest early. <laughs> Get on it. Well, right on. Well, that was awesome. Well, let's then, let's transition then over into our subject of the day, which which is very apt because I just came home from an hour and a half of sitting there next to at the park, watching my kids have soccer practice. And my wife said, Hey, let's go watch. And I went, are you sure it's winter? It is freezing. No, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Luckily I thought ahead and I brought a parka and three different blankets and my lawn chair and i still froze to death because winter has arrived which is the subject of our topic for today so i'm going to turn it over to jonathan to introduce that and take us further and we're going to dive into i believe it's winter in general or more specifically perhaps activities so i'm going to leave it there with you jonathan and uh, take it from there and let's uh, see where this goes i'm excited to see what we want to talk about today Yes, indeed. I thought it was uh, fitting this time of year, season change, and winter upon us. I thought also kind of funny that all three of us grew up in places with like a more serious winter, and now we kind of live in places with mild winters, so that might say something. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, Luke and I are in the Bay Area, we get, you know, we get winter weather for the Bay Area. It's not what you're thinking in other places with snow and things. And and JP's in St. George, which, yeah, they can get snow, but they get more like cold temperatures, but they still have palm trees there. Come on. So it's not as bad as some other spots. But I kind of wanted to kick us off with a little story or when I think of like a a winter activity or event or a travel that I did uh, with winter, this is kind of like an experience that I had that kind of ties it all together. And when you think of something like a winter wonderland or a very like when you think of winter, like this really takes you there. I was in the early 2000s, I was studying and living in Sweden, and a bunch of us exchange students, we gathered together and we traveled up north and we flew up above the Arctic Circle. So way up north to this town called Kirana, we rented cars and we first went to check. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but we went to the, the Ice Hotel, which is basically a whole hotel that is built every year out of snow and ice. And you can go inside there and every room is done by a different artist with themes and they have ice sculptures and 
these massive beds with like reindeer skin and they have like chandeliers with fiber optics um, because, you know, that doesn't melt the ice. And they built like a chapel there that people get married in. Um, there's a bar and like the glasses are made out of ice. And they've built a huge globe theater out of ice and snow outside. And they put on productions and people can go see those. And it's right on the edge of this river where the the, the water clarity is so clear so when the ice forms there, it's very desirable ice for ice sculpture. So they actually cut out blocks of ice out of the river there and ship it all around the world to create ice sculptures out of, which is pretty wild. Um, and you can also go do like the sauna and then jump in the freezing bit of the cutout river where you can jump in the water. Um, and then from there, we went up north even further to this town called Obisco, which is by this national park. And, you know, did the typical things you do in the Arctic, above the Arctic Circle. We went dog sledding and saw the northern lights over this big frozen lake. It's an experience I'll never forget. It was pretty amazing. Drove over the border to Norway, onto the fjords. It was one of the like pretty magical, surreal adventures that it kind of like depicts like some fairy tale or winter landscape that was pretty amazing. It's not that often you get held up on the road by herds of reindeer crossing in front of you. Pretty cool, I'd have to say. Definitely an experience that I think back on often. Um, I've had a lot of experience with winter growing up. So I kind of wanted today talk about like, you know, maybe some of your earlier memories about winter, what that was like growing up with it, different activities, you know, sports or things that um, we take place in, different events what you enjoy about it, what you don't like about it, tips you have, things like that. So JP, I know he had a very similar upbringing as me, being as we were brothers um, growing up in the same place, but we also want to hear what it was like for you, Luke. Maybe we'll start with you and see like in the Netherlands, what's it like? Uh, I know you guys don't get a ton of snow, but what was your, or at least these days, but what was it like for you growing up in the winter there? Oh, growing up, it was fun. Winter was a good time because we, we would all start going ice skating. Ice skating was the thing to do. Everyone would be out on the ice, the entire neighborhood, entire school. Everyone would be out on the ice. Old people, like 70-year-olds, they would take a chair and get on the ice and just hold on to the chair. And that's how you ice skate when you're that old. Uh, and that was like... So where are you ice skating? On like frozen lakes, frozen ponds, frozen... Everything would freeze over. So we would have pretty like tough winters that way. Uh, and frozen was, canals canals as, as well amsterdam the canals won't freeze over as fast but if you go and drive through the country there's a lot of it's it's a flat country so there's a lot of um a good soil for agriculture and they make these moats in between those would freeze over too and you would have people like ice skating on those but mostly in like just uh the town I grew up in, they would have um, little ponds and things like that that were like man-made and they would freeze over every winter. And the uh, most fun thing to do, there's actually movies made about it. There's a 11-city uh, race that goes on in Holland. If the temperature is cold enough and the ice freezes thick enough, it's in the northern parts of the country, they ice skate through rivers and uh, canals through 11 city, they would have to cross all over. And it's like 250 kilometers or something to race like that. 
And they've made a movie about the one that they had in 1954 because it was one of the harshest winter the country's ever seen. And actually, like, I think seven people got killed during the race because it just froze over and it was a snowstorm and nobody could find them. And they would fall through the ice and then turn into ice cubes or something like that. Uh, so that was a terrible tragedy that happened in 1954. Um, that They made a movie about that one. And that's something, the last time that happened actually is 1994, they had that race. Uh, since then, because of global warming, or which some tend to ignore, um, we have no longer have the, the privilege to do that. That reminds me of the race they have in Sweden from Stockholm to Uppsala, which is a town like an hour north, and they go all the way up this frozen lake. But they didn't, they can't have it every year because the ice isn't thick enough a lot of the times. Wow. Pretty wild. Ooh. But yeah, that race you're describing sounds like you got to be pretty crazy to do that. And you think the people doing those Spartan obstacle races and things, you think they have a challenge? Think about that. <laughs> Falling in ice and dying in a blizzard. Oh, that's pretty horrible. That's the real challenge. That race sounds like insane. Um, pretty wild. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, yeah, when I was in Stockholm Suite studying, there was a, a Dutch guy and he brought his skates with him. But he, these are not like your typical ice skates. These were like long. They look like like big blades. We call them Norse. So from Norway, because apparently Norway invented that one. It's like the the ones they do use almost with uh, figure skating. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, these these ones look like, yeah, like really long. They're kind of for long strides. And it's funny because sometimes you'll see people right on the subway in Stockholm and they get off in the old town, which we talked about in our prior episode, Gamlestan. And there there's like an exit from the subway right out onto the lake. And people like get, get out of the subway, walk up, put their skates on and skate away. It's like really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, how many places do you get to do that? You know? Yeah. I had a friend growing up that actually did it professionally. He was a speed skater. And he, the guys that are like the top five of the world right now is the guys he was racing against. That's crazy. But he had a, an unfortunate accident and busted his knee so he couldn't continue on. But that's definitely a thing that we're known for as a country, skating and especially speed skating. I was going to say that's like your bread and butter at the Olympics. Yeah. Speed skating. <laughs> see the orange we talked about the orange oh every guys time like, always <laughs> can this guy just shut up about the orange <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good no i i just love the passion from the dutch fans for all of their athletes they just show up and support and you know i think when you're a smaller country like that uh it's cool to see just a group of people just follow their fans everywhere and you know you can watch the Olympics and there's one Dutch speed skater in there. The half of the crowd is going to be waving orange, whether they're Dutch or not. So it's just kind of a party wherever the Dutch show up. Really goes back and tells you how strongly skating is ingrained in your culture. Because if you're producing that many like high level athletes in that sport from a small place, you know, it's, that's definitely something ice skating, you know, like, like a lot of hockey players in Canada and different places, like, you know, a lot of those kids are born with skates on their feet, basically. And you start at a young age and work your way up. Pretty impressive. Well, when I think of winter, I think one of the first things that comes to my mind, and I don't know what this is because someone brought up global warming here, is I'm trying to reconcile this with 
was it i just very short and small as a child because i just remember when it would snow it felt like it snowed feet of snow and it seemed so deep and it seemed like after the first snow it never went away it just stayed on the ground until spring when it would melt i remember just wanting to just dying to play basketball in the driveway and just not being able to see concrete for months just because the ice had frozen over it and it would just stay there but you know that's what i remember but now it snows and it never seems to stick even not prior to moving down to where I live now, where I never get snow, but up North, even then it snows. And then typically within a day or two, it melts and you can see my lawn. Um, but I don't remember that as a kid ever seeing lawn during the, during the winter season, it seemed like we get a snow and it would just continue to pile up snow after snow on top of each other. Um, so I kind of do miss that. And I don't know if that's just my memory as a child, but it really does seem to me there used to be a lot more and it used to be there for longer and yeah, and really just seemed to be this very wintry season, which I absolutely loved. But now it seems to have transitioned over to this period of, hey, we've got snow and cold and it's great around Christmas. I love that. But then after Christmas, it seems to just be, uh, dirty dead the lawn with piles of snow you know the snow plows just push it up on the sides of the road it's mixed with gravel it's gray it's dirty and honestly I, i'm that's kind of part of the reason why i've moved away it's just not i don't love the winter anymore i don't love the just kind of dirty cold gray that you know now i get because it's just a different you know i'm not out playing in it like i was a kid you know i don't ski as much as i used to um, all of those types of activities that I loved about winter, um, life kind of happens. I think when I, as I've gotten older and have kids where I just don't have the time to enjoy those things. So since I'm not enjoying them, it kind of was an easy out to say, Hey, I'm done with winter. Let's move somewhere where we don't get, uh, snow and that cold. Um, you know, so it's, I don't it's know. Funny. Um, it's funny you bring up gravel because like, um, it's a really big sign of winter in Sweden. And I don't know about other, um, other places in Europe too, cause they don't really use the salt as much. They throw gravel down on the walking paths and on the roads and things. And so, you know, winter's there, you see the gravel and then it's a funny sign of spring is when they come and like sweep up the gravel and you're like, Oh, I have, you're walking down the paths and it's not crunchy. You're like, Oh, must be spring coming. Um, because it's always, <laughs> that's like total winter thing, uh, is the gravel underfoot all winter basically. And that did bring up a story. Um, JP, if you remember when we'd have a fresh snow where we lived, we were lived growing up in the mountains and we'd have a fresh snow in the night and you had to time it right where we would get these old school sleds, the, the oh fantastic flyers. These are, yes. these are wooden sleds with metal runners, you know, the old school, the old fashioned ones you'd see. I still have one in storage, but basically you would get these sleds and it have to be like timed right. So the snowstorm would happen and you'd hope a, a number of cars would have driven on it um, and packed Prior it Prior to the snow plows getting out. Before the plows and the gravel come and the salt, because that ruins it. But we would hide, we would go up and be dropped off above our home, like a mile or so up. And then we would usually at night, cause the snow's coming, the plows haven't come yet. Oddly, so like, like like, which is insane. Why were our oh, parents yeah. letting us sled down the street at night on something that's a, about a foot off a the long, ground where no car can see you. 
Um, oh yeah, a long winding <laughs> road is called Grove Drive, and it went for like we would go for like two miles from flying the top down all the way road. down to the city down below. Oh my goodness, <laughs> I haven't thought about that for a while, but that used to be so much fun because we would get all the neighborhood boys out, and the way we would do this is if you really wanted to go fast, you would have two of you, and we'd even wax the metal. Um, uh, of those blades get this dad ski wax out and what you would do is one person would lay on it um he was your driver and then you'd, you'd lay down on his stomach and stick his feet up and kind of lock them hard just like a toboggan uh, bobsled and then you'd have your pusher who would push <laughs> on the feet and be we'd say go and you'd have four or five sleds going with like 10 of us and then you'd push as fast as you can and then jump on top of your buddy and hang on for dear life while he while he drove like the luge but you're facing face we down and you're going flying down this and there's no nothing to keep you on on the hard turns like someone would just go skidding just hanging on your off the road <laughs> it was insane i'd forgotten all about that and yes like you said most of the time the best sledding was you know, late at night in the dark. And if we happen to catch a truck coming up the road, scary because we're flying and you just fly (laughs) off the road and just roll out of the way. But, oh my gosh, that is one of my fondest memories as a kid. Um, Absolutely. You can't do that anymore. I mean, it's like, we don't get that kind of snow or you might get that, but the clouds usually come pretty quick now, or you might be able to do it, but, oh, it was just so much fun. No, but sometimes we could get a couple days if we had a really good, snowstorm sometimes the plows wouldn't even make it to that street for a few days and it would just get packed solid hard pack ice just that was so fast so fast on that uh it's a flexible flyer right that's what it's called right yep yeah a flexible flyer and it was amazing fun it was one of the most fun things i think i've ever done you know in the winter time it is such a good time so if you ever have a chance to get a hard packed road and you find in grandma or grandpa's garage an old flexible flyer. Take that thing out and give it a whirl. <laughs> you will have some fun. Uh, nowadays, you know, uh, my size, I don't know. I think I just imagine I would jump on it and kind of go and stop. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind then, of the sleds that have to work on a hard pack surface, yes. so like on a sledding hill that's been sled on for most of the day and then it's hard packed, then it'll work. And then it's not going to work on like fresh snow solid. with grass yeah it needs to be like mm-hmm. a hard icy surface and then you get moving <laughs> yep i mean it's i can't imagine that we were going that fast but as a kid when you were on that thing flying down that really steep road it felt like you were going 50 miles an hour guaranteed we were not anywhere close to that but it sure felt like we were moving fast oh yeah so much fun i love that crazy have you ever been sledding luke uh, I know there's not a lot, not a lot of hills in in the Netherlands. We don't know, but that's that doesn't <laughs> keep us from trying. <laughs> but I have a funny sled story though. Uh, I think I was a, like six years old or something like that, and we went to Switzerland. We went out to like a, a ski resort and everything. It was my first time skiing. First thing I remember from skiing, I was not too good at it. Oh, I could go fast. I could go down. I couldn't stop. That was my biggest problem. Uh, Doing the pizza. Do you guys call it pizza as well? Pizza slice? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can do like the French fries or the pizza. French fries or pizza. Pizza pie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So I couldn't do that. <laughs> it's a good, <laughs> I was just going it's a good downhill. Learning. It's like I'm yeah. just going downhill. I don't know how to stop. Let's just keep. So going. you were more the French fries than the pizza. Yes, the pizza <laughs> wasn't working. The French fries were fine. <laughs> Or the 11. So yeah, it's when your skis are parallel and you just go straight down the hill. <laughs> yep. So that is basically all I did with skiing. I tried snowboarding once, didn't work out for me. But on that same vacation, we what they do is um, they'll have like cafes and like a little street with a little like stores and stuff like that. And they always plow the snow away from the uh, storefronts. And one of these cafes had done that and they, they had basically created a little hill on the other side of the street. And my brother got a little sled out and he's like, why don't you go sit on it? And it's one of those wooden sledges and there's no control on those. There was no control on those. You just sit and it just goes. And he does it right in front of the restaurant and he lets me go. And I, hear my mom screaming <laughs> and I shoot with my sledge underneath three tables, two of which were occupied. And I bang into the wall <laughs> of the establishment <laughs> through the restaurant, like the yeah. patio. Well, I didn't go through all the way, but I banged against the wall. <laughs> the guy comes outside and gets like a plop of snow on his head because I <laughs> hit it right at that moment. <laughs> that reminds me of uh where we went to school at Utah State, there is a big hill called Old Main Hill, and what's where all the college students go sledding every day after class. There's this big giant hill uh, right there on campus, and they put a whole row of they get hay bales, and not, I'm not talking just like a little hay bale, like the little kind that you can just pick up with your hand and toss. The mm -hmm. um, hay bales the size of Volkswagen bugs here, Box. the bottom of the hill. And you just watch kids get on inner tubes, skis, piece of plastic. It doesn't matter. Anything that will slide and just bomb this hill and just plow into these hay bales at <laughs> full speed. People breaking arms, breaking legs. And you know what? They Every year, it's like they put signs at the top. Don't sled here. You're doing it this at your own risk. But you know what? College students are going to do whatever they're going to do. So, so they and never mind that the hill is like covered in like trees too. So it's like an obstacle course on your way down. Yes, it is. It is <laughs> just death by stupidity. But, you know. I think someone actually died on that hill sledding. I, just I remember you know, someone to bring it down got seriously hurt. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if you're right, but it was it's yeah, it's it's not a sane thing. But I think that's almost like a commonality with winter sports in general. There's a little bit of insanity that goes into any of them. They all deal with high speed, some degree of extreme danger. If you screw up, you're gonna die. I, I think there's some commonality there within most of the winter sports. Um, which partially makes them that's why it's fun. That, that reminds me of my near-death experience. <laughs> that's so funny because we're doing a winter wonderland show, and, and we've the been recurring team is death, and we've morbidity. been so morbid and just like, oh yeah, the guys fell through the river and died. <laughs> like, so sorry, this is the welcome this is, to the this is welcome the, the, to the, episode uh... four where we talk about how many ways can you die. <laughs> Um, Jordan, you know what I'm talking about, about where I nearly died. You were there and I probably ne didn't really, why do I not, die, but in my why mind do, at, at the time, maybe you, so if I say, 
If I say the GAD chair or the mid GAD. Oh my goodness. Yes. Now I do remember. Yes. (laughs) This is so great now. Cause I can laugh about it. And honestly, I was laughing at it about it when it happened, but so um, would you prefer to tell the story or would you like, I'll tell you and then you can fill in gaps from your point of view. Cause I'm sure that would be fun to hear what you saw because I was in it and then you, you were the observer. So basically uh, <laughs> this is at snowbird. One of my favorite resorts. This is in Utah in the Cottonwood canyons. Um, there's this chair there. It's a ski lift. It's the GAD chair where halfway up there's an exit point where you can ski off the chair lifts and then it keeps going up and to set the scene like where you get off and then it suddenly starts going and starts gaining a lot of elevation and then it goes over cliffs to the next like high altitude before the final exit but where you get off it's kind of this easy exit and you're still like in the chill runs you know the green runs and and jordan and i were skiing with our dad that day but dad was off skiing somewhere and, and jp and i were we're going up this chair and we're going to go off on the halfway point and um we go to exit and I guess you just look notice all of a sudden I wasn't next to you, <laughs> but I, uh, I had a long coat on that. Well, kind of longish coat, but it, like part of like the drawstring in the back or something caught on the chair. So as we go to exit, I, I thought I exited the chair and next to Jordan and we're skiing down the little exit ramp. And all of a sudden I get lifted from behind by the chair that's continuing up the hill. And I am hanging from the chairlift from the back of my coat and quickly gaining height. I think I must have been what? What do you say? 10, 12 feet high or more? Uh, I think a bit more by the time they finally stopped that was, thing. It was pretty it was high. Pretty high. So they had a little guy sitting there and I guess he was, I, I didn't see what happened, but he must have yelled at him and he was like half asleep or something and slammed on the brakes, which caused the chair to swing which in no. turn dislodged my coat. And then I fell face first down like 15, 20 feet Whoa. into the snow. Yes. You know, <laughs> uh, think of the typical uh, ski resort employee, ski bomb, you know, Hey, I, I work here. So I get a free pass kind of guy sitting there in a, in a lawn chair uh, right next to the spot and just kicked back. And ha- they had like a little ghetto blaster, uh, uh, bungee corded to the shack there so music was playing he did not even see jonathan keep going up because that little drawstring caught and just lifted him up and i started yelling at him everybody on the lift started yelling at him and by the time he finally hit that it just started to swing and it did about three good big swings and then pop off he went and luckily for jonathan in the space after they exit they have an area roped off so, you know, because it's, they don't want you skiing right under there as the lift goes right over it. They don't want in the event of these get, emergencies. Well, no, but they don't want <laughs> your skis to hit anybody, anyone to ski directly underneath it and get clocked in the head with the skis of the chairlift. So they have it roped off. So it's untouched, really, really deep snow. And Jonathan just went, pop, fell off head first, straight down into the snow. And you just see two little feet sticking up out of there, waving the disappeared, (laughs) just buried. And yes, I was even laughing then. I know he was kind of (laughs) terrified, but it was one of the funnier things I've ever seen. Like (laughs) It kind of freaked me out for a bit. And I don't know if you ever heard the follow-up to this, Jordan, like I guess the bookend to this story, what happened to me in my adult years in Colorado. Why? So it happened again. So it happened again. 
to you. <laughs> it happened to you again? I have not heard this. <laughs> so I'm skiing with a, a group of friends, two of my buddies and my friend Cammy, um, and we're skiing at Keystone in Colorado. And this must have been like six years ago or something, but we're skiing, we're waiting in this big long lift. And it's, it's, it's like it's a quad. So all four of us can sit on this chair. So we're waiting in this big line and we finally get on the chair. And so there's a ton of people. I had a huge audience, right? So we get on the chair and I was like, my foot was feeling a little cramped. So I was going to adjust my binding. So we sit down in the chair, we take off just fine. And I lean forward to adjust my, my buckle. And I felt my sudden my center of gravity like shift forward. And it was like slightly snowing that day. So the seat was kind of slick. And I felt my body like leaning forward too much. I'm like, oh, there's no recovery from this. So I, I like turned to my buddy, I'm like, grab me. And he's and he's like, What? What do you mean? What's going on? And all of a sudden I went off the front. <laughs> and we were probably about 10, 15 feet up in the air by then. And I had a whole crowd below me. And um I fell right off the chair and straight down into the same, same kind of like safety zone. And I rose out of the powder to a whole applause from the whole line. <laughs> that is so great. I've never heard this. I did not know. I wouldn't go around telling people that I fell off the chairlift as an adult either. <laughs> I had the walk of shame in front of that whole crowd. And they're all cheering me on. And and the funny thing is my buddy after that, I skied with him the year like you know later. And he's like, ever since you he all of a sudden he got a fear of the chairlift. So every time we'd get on, he'd be like hugging the pole on the side. And he said, When that <laughs> happened to you, it just freaked me out so much. I've like gotten scared of the lift. <laughs> oh man, I thought it was funny. I will <laughs> I was say ever when since you up. did that though. I do have a healthy fear of the lift as far as I'll be sitting on there and I'm like, this thing's kind of narrow. It's not that deep and it's kind of cold and slick and slippery. And you know what? This one doesn't have a bar that comes down in the front. And you know what? We're 150 feet in the air. Why do we let five-year-old kids get on here (laughs) by themselves? Like, it is truly a bizarre, crazy thing when you think about it, that more people don't just roll off or slip off. So now I tend to kind of scoot all the way back, wrap my hand around the sidebar, put my arm back over the backrest and just kind of hang on. Cause I don't know. I'm just like, I don't want to pull a Jonathan and go flying <laughs> off. Slide off. <laughs> oh man. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And most of them don't actually have the bars or at least the footrest parts anymore. They'll have a bar, but most people don't put it down. It's definitely something to think about when those winds come and those things get bouncing. No, I'm all about putting the bar down. If you've got the bar and the footrest. Yeah. Just go ahead and put that thing down. It's there for a reason. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. Definitely. Now, if you want to hear, uh, I don't know, Jonathan, if you remember this one, this is my favorite outdoor winter story ever. And you were there, but you don't, um, I believe you were there pretty, pretty dang sure. And so you probably have not thought about this for years. And I'm going to get grief from a certain friend of mine. So we, uh, growing up, of course, lived in a mountainous area and we would get a lot of snow. And the idea was, hey, we oh, got I think a lot I know of where snow. you're going. I know where you're oh, going. You know where we're going. Okay. <laughs> so we would, you know, whoever had a four wheel drive type car, we would get up and we would drive as close to the, the hills as we could. And then we would all get out shovels and we would build ourselves a ramp. 
a big old ramp, a big ski jump. Not that we were great. We were doing, you know, maybe you're doing like a spread Eagle, you know, go off, maybe doing a Daffy where you flip your legs forward and back a couple times in the air. And that's about the extent of it. No one's doing any aerials. No one's doing any flips, nothing like that. We're just, you know, high school kids having a good time. And we build this ramp behind our house. And my buddy, Russell, I'm going to say his first name because he deserves to be shamed. Uh, Russell's fairly new to the whole skiing thing at this point. Uh, we're talking like you, uh, Luke, he's getting up there and he's doing, trying to do a, a pie to slow himself down kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hit this jump. I'm going to do this somehow. And we're like, nah, nah, you shouldn't do it, man. You shouldn't do this. And he just takes off his skis and walks himself up there and he sets up and gets ready to go for this thing. He takes off and he hits this thing. And I've never seen a move like this. I, I don't even know if I can describe it, but I just know that like one ski goes straight up. One goes backwards. Like he's twisted like a pretzel in the air and he comes down with both skis, not parallel to the ground, but perpendicular to the ground. One up, one straight down. I don't even know how he did this. I don't know how, but the ski hit and bent backwards really, really far. And then when it popped off, the binding finally released. It popped off and it flew. And I, I, yeah, it's going to be gross here, but it flew and it caught him right behind the ear and it sliced his ear right off. Okay. Not completely off. It was hanging by a little thread at the top and a little bit at the bottom. So Trigger can... warning, Jordan, give a warning. <laughs> <laughs> if you're That's eating, awesome. you know, yeah. and, and at first he's kind of like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And kind of going into shock here while we just pack his head with snow, trying to hold it on. Just, the only car it. we have up there is I think someone had a learner's permit. Didn't even have a real license. It was my buddy who didn't have his license yet. I think. And so we end up packing everybody in this car, cruising down the mountain as quick as we can. We dump half of us uh, at my house. We just bail out. And the other half, because uh, we had far too many, the nearest, mind you, the nearest hospital for us is probably, what, 20 minutes away, if not more. That's two towns over. Yeah. Yeah. Flying through a snowstorm with a car full of kids. One kid's bleeding to death. <laughs> the driver barely has a learner's permit. Um, like I said, all winter sports have some degree of idiocy and lunacy and danger involved. Um, you know, and, the and best the- part of that story, uh, Luke, look, get this is they had a, uh, Jordan and Russell had a double date that night at a school dance. School dance. Yes. And, uh, so, the, and so Russell is out fresh out of the hospital with this bandage covering his, basically his whole head. And he insisted on going on the dance still. And so they have these photos because they take photos at dances in the, in the U S um, yeah. so there's those pictures of the, like the four of them and the, you know, their double dates and Russell's got his whole, it was a whole big group and it was hilarious. <laughs> um, picture. Uh, okay. Think star Wars, you know, the bounty hunter, the guy that has the bandages all around his head. Yeah. That's him. And it was like, he could see out of like his, you could see his nose and like one eye. And the rest of his whole entire head was wrapped with this big, huge thing after they sewed his ear back on. I, he I think insisted I, on going to this dance, and it's the funniest thing. Uh, he was so like up on like painkillers, he didn't know what was going on. Yeah, he doesn't remember much of that day, <laughs> much at all. But one of my favorite winter stories. 
I think I'm going to nickname that story the Van Gogh story. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. And it was just wild. Van Gogh on skis. Oh, Van my Go goodness. Yeah, or, it, or don't go on skis. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Uh, it just, <laughs> you know, but, you know, that's kind of what you do in the winter as kids. You know, it's, hey, we've got snow. What are we going to do? How are we going to play in this? Oh, let's go build a jump that we none of us have any business jumping off, um, you know, or build snow forts or castles or you name it. That was um, fun. I remember you know, snow forts. My God, that was fun. Yeah. I remember as a kid, the snow would be deep enough that I swear we could dig a fort out of it. Um, yep. But nowadays you, you got to go get a bucket. We get a five gallon bucket or something. You fill it up, turn it over and you just keep making blocks and build a big snow fort, you know, but, um, but have yeah. any of you gone snow camping before in like your, in your snow cave? I have, and I don't need to ever again. I did. I'm glad I did. It was fun, well. but not now. That's colder that and wiser. Cold. It's freezing. The snow is an insulator, so it actually keeps you pretty warm in the snow cave. But yeah, but you don't want to move. Out. You just want to settle yeah. in and be like, you don't want to get out of your. Move. Yeah. As a child, as a youth, I enjoyed it. It was fun. But now, no, I don't need to do that. I have a nice warm bed. I have. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have. I've gotten soft. <laughs> soft we used to apparently. do these. Um, we used to do these Klondike camps where everyone would make a sled and they would have sled races, have a sled you'd have to pack with gear and they'd have these competitions and races where you'd have to basically like push, hold the sled. And we didn't have the dog team, unfortunately, but yeah. Yeah. You had a whole I, pack I did a of, ride. you had a whole pack of boy scouts that were pulling, pulling, the, sled. It, <laughs> pulling the sled, running through four foot deep snow trying to drag a 150 pound sled behind you had like uh, these big courses and races set up yeah it was fun times but man freezing <laughs> what is a klondike well the klondike is like it's named after alaska you know the klondike up there and so they they do a lot of uh there's famous dog sleds from like the you know alaskan gold rush eras they used to travel on the sleds mm-hmm. with the team of dogs the Klondike is a part of Alaska, but they, they, they would name this like scout event every year after that, because we would have to have the sled competitions. And like, like we're going to go do, do like the big, Klondike Derby every year by the Yukon oh, up in cool. Alaska. And they, they have like dog, like famous dog sled races up there still in Alaska. Isn't the Iditarod also up there? Yeah. The Iditarod, uh, I believe goes from Anchorage to Nome, I believe, or yeah, something like that. That's exactly correct. Mm-hmm. I just looked it up. It's Anchorage to know. Have you guys done dog sledding? Because when I, I do that, Sweden, it is I've like always the thought that'd thing. be really fun to do, but never had an opportunity to do that. Me, me Those neither. dogs just want to go. If you fall off, you're like you're getting left behind. They just go. It's pretty wild. It's so fun though. Definitely worth I it think, if you get a chance to do it. I think the closest equivalent I've had to that. I mean, just as far as that speed and just kind of that gliding over the snow type of thing apart from skiing though it was um snowmobiling or snow sledding really however fun. you say it depending on where you're from but that is a lot of fun and i remember in college uh, the house had a few and we would go up quite regularly and do that but an amazing thing to do was um a few times we went out late at night so going through the woods in the dark um on a snowmobile is really a really fun experience because um, you just kind of, kind of follow the trails, whipping through the trees, um, and you just see kind of the snow falling through the headlights and it's a really kind of magical experience. And it's a lot of fun. If you ever have the chance to snowmobile at night, give it a try. It's a lot of fun and I yeah, it's it's awesome. really enjoy it. 
Yeah, it's definitely a, it's a fun thing, except for if you ever get like buried or turned around in deep powder, it's a pain in the butt to dig those things out. Oh, I felt like I'm going to have a heart attack before trying to dig a snowmobile that I've turned upside down into deep powder. You move just a little bit and all of a sudden you're sweating, like you feel like you're going to die. You've got to take <laughs> off your parka because you're so hot. And then you've been just trying to dig it out for three minutes. You're like, okay, I'm done. I need help. But hey, it's still worth it. It's a lot of fun. Yep. Been there, done that. Um, that's why... Most of these activities you definitely want to do with other folks. And I think that's really just might be the. Um, the common thread of all these stories of winter is just like the people that you're with and what you're doing. Pretty magical time in some ways, but it does have that long time and get into the crappy snow time and you're just ready for winter to end. But, you know, there's all like, like you mentioned, there's like the, the highlights. You've got like a lot of holidays through the winter. You've got a lot of activities you can do together with other people. Like I love, I, I ski a lot solo, but I love to go like, that's one of my great memories is skiing a lot with my dad. And even up to like, to the end there, he and I still skied together. Um, and those times together on the chairlift or talking and the, the event of it, you know, like traveling up there together, having a good lunch. Um, the social part of it, the, the the bonding, getting together and doing these activities. I think that's the the best part of it for sure. Well, I, I think you might have hit on it that. that as far as those winter, I mean, most activities that take place out there, you know, it is kind of an event because typically you have to drive to it and it requires a lot of gear or planning. Um, you just don't walk out the door and be like, oh, I'm going to go do this today. Um, you know, so it is very purpose driven and it's and it is kind of an event. and you're doing it with purpose. And typically if we're doing something with purpose, uh, we want to do it with other people and that's a lot of fun, but yeah, absolutely love. I love winter from about December 1st to January 2nd, and then I'm done. <laughs> and like, that's enough. <laughs> yep. I, I've, I've, it's given me my tinge of holiday time. I've done the snow things that I wanted to do, and now I'm ready for pretty much any other season. So I don't know. I, I was uh, sitting as we were sitting there at soccer practice tonight. I said, uh, you know what? I've lived here for too long. I'm already getting soft. It's 43 degrees out here. I have two blankets on in a parka, and I feel like I'm freezing to death. As a child growing up <laughs> where we did, 43 degrees, that's t-shirt and flip-flop weather that is fantastic you know i wouldn't be complaining much at all <laughs> um but now you know getting soft already i'm I'm getting uh a little cold-blooded and i can't quite handle the it's all relative which is so funny what you're used to so true so true so true so do you think you would uh, want to move back Luke, to uh winter in real or are you enjoying the bay area version all right I like the Bay Area version. I do miss snow sometimes, but you've got different things here that I haven't seen back home. Uh, we've gone, uh, I think, two years in a row now, gone watching houses put up their decorations. There's like a, a Alameda here does a pretty good job at it. And you can drive through and there's like people, like entire streets, just decorating their houses just all the lights all the lights all the stuff all the blow up dolls and whatever you want to call them and all the decorations it and it's i didn't do have to say some of them are you know you know what the budget is the quality is a little less and stuff like that some of them do a really nice job i have to say that's like the new climate change version of a snowman is the inflatable one because there's no snow to like build one <laughs> 
Plus, we here we can get to the snow in three hours up to Tahoe. So, you know, if you want to experience it, you can. So everyone get out there, have a winter experience this year. Um, it's out there for you or a short flight away. Um, dress for the occasion. Bring those layers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm glad I'm not dealing with it. You know, I do miss it occasionally, but it uh, um, there's a reason. I mean, yep. Yeah, you hear some people, hey, my dream home would be in Aspen or somewhere like that. Um, but most of us, you know what, I, I want to live in Hawaii. I want to live in San Diego. You don't hear a lot of people saying, I want to go live in the, I want to retire to like snow, freezing Midwest snow and winter are fabulous, but as nature intended seasonally and for a short period, and then it moves away and then we're all good and we can handle it again until it comes again next year. So awesome. We just want to thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the should be common knowledge podcast. And we hope you've enjoyed it. Stay tuned. We've got a bunch of great stuff in the works that we're going to be bringing, bringing to you in the near term. And with that, we're going to wrap it up today. And once again, my name is JP and I've got Luke and Jonathan. All right. Well, thanks for joining us guys. It's been a pleasure. Hope you enjoy as always go ahead and give us a shout out on social media at SBCK podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, or check out the website at sbckpodcast.com. Follow us on the socials. Give us your feedback. We'd love to hear your favorite winter stories. And we'll keep an eye out there and want to keep the conversation going with you. Have a great one. Until next time, thanks for joining